0: This is the first and only foldable I would consider buying, but it's not a foldable that I would actually switch to actively. And there's two reasons for that. Welcome back to the Digital Dive podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh and I'm one of your hosts.
1: My name is Jacqueline. I'm your other host. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the OnePlus Open, maybe potentially the first foldable that I would actually use on a daily basis. Then we'll talk about Elon Musk's new AI company and the vision for it that he's projecting alongside some early testing of it. And the last thing we're going to talk about this episode is my trip to the White House for a second time. Last week's episode, we talked about it, and then I actually was invited back to see different federally funded tech projects that kind of blew me away. So we're going to talk about that in this episode.
0: Absolutely. Well, with that all being said, I'm very excited to hear about all of this and to talk all this with you guys. Really happy to be back on the pod. Uh, with that being said, let's roll the intro.
1: Josh, I missed you last week.
0: Oh, I missed you too, man. Honestly, it's, it's been it's been crazy. I didn't realize how much I missed just having the podcast. And Like today, for example, I was telling you before we jumped on, like I did a full day of work and then the podcast is my break in between now and then I'm taking this course, like the certificate program online.
1: Yeah, you're pushing it right now, like just working It's very, very hard.
0: Well, no, I I appreciate that. But more so what I was trying to say was that like this is like my break in between and I didn't realize how like energizing it is. Like I've been exhausted all day and just like talking to you for like 10 minutes 20 minutes before getting started on this like i am i am hyped i'm excited to be here but i'm even more hyped before we get into all the nitty-gritty of the tech Jacqueline. i have to ask how was your experience at the white house i cannot believe Uh, i can say (laughs) like with my full chest that someone that i've known for honestly upwards of probably almost 10 years now or close to 10 years at least yeah was in the white house speaking to elected government officials
1: yeah, dude, I feel like um, it is so cool that we've been friends for so long, and we've both been able to like, see each other evolve. This one was definitely a cool one. So last week's episode, we talked about that YouTube asked me to go to the White House to talk about AI and like from the creator and tech perspective. That went really well, it was so much fun. Then their team actually invited me back out to go to another event that they were hosting, where the administration basically funded over 40 projects that are like real world tech, which is my love language, like the bread and butter of everything. And they were kind of showcasing it for the first time ever. So uh, it was a really, really cool day. It was called like White House Demo Day. And the projects were absolutely phenomenal from like a meeting experts in a field that I didn't even know existed prior to going. Like, for example, there was one that has, was focused on a very specific type of waste that when too much of it is in water, wildlife dies if they drink the water. And this was using AI to early to detect it early. So then we could filter the water. That was really cool. Another one was this um, eye scanning technology, which scans people's eyes and the eyes are part of like the central nervous system. And so it scans your eyes to detect early like cardiovascular disease or um, potentially dementia. And it scans pixel by pixel. So it's like, much more precise than if a doctor was doing it in the past. So it kind of like uses AI to empower doctors to be even better and earlier with diagnostic treatment. Incredible.
0: That is absolutely incredible. Wow. There is genuinely, there is so much that can be done in tech now that like you wouldn't even have imagined 10 years ago. And I think it's incredible to see at least like, as well, like the governments are actually putting these pieces of tech now more into play. I feel like five, six years ago, you weren't hearing as much about how governments were trying to use bleeding edge tech to like solve or like to help combat different issues in the world. And honestly, seeing and hearing about your experience at the white house, just it honestly all sounds incredible.
1: Yeah. It was um, so much fun to see all the tech and like also very inspiring. It also made me feel like one of the things that I'm trying to do this year and in 2024 is expand NBT to be not just like phone videos, but like all aspects of consumer technology, because when you're around technology like this, it's genuinely changing the world. It's like, how much does, that play into content. I think it's got to be there too because it's so energizing and exciting and like that is using technology for good and like optimism and I think we need more of that in our world. So super cool to be there. I went for 17 hours so it was a quick trip but I'm so excited to be back and while I was gone there was new AI news and there was also the OnePlus Open stuff. So which one do you think we should talk about first?
0: I, 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 think, I think let's start out with the AI news just because it's, it's, this is a quick one. Just more so I want to hear your reaction to this. So, so let me read you a, a headline, all right? Okay, hit me. Elon Musk unveils X AI's new chatbot, Grok or Grok, however you want to pronounce it. I'm just gonna say Grok. Okay. I think it's funnier. Grok. <laughs> Thoughts.
1: Yeah, I. Um, this is fascinating to me because I. Elon is obviously in a lot of different industries. And I remember when OpenAI stuff came out, he was obviously initially involved with the project and isn't as much. He said that he thought all these big tech companies were not going to take AI safety into account enough. And that's why he wants to get involved. But what's fascinating to me is with this launch, they've really focused on saying that the chatbot is going to be like witty and edgy. And like, is that the value prop that is missing in the market? Or is the value prop that is missing something else? Interesting. Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the value prop that is missing is witty humor. Like I think the value prop that they're really saying is that it's going to update more in real time. So it's going to be able to use data from Twitter or X to give like a live analysis and commentary on real world events. Um, But I read an article that was really interesting, which said like, is this going to actually be the fatal flaw of the product where it will end up like being racist or sexist or all these other things because it's taking in data in real time from users.
0: Well, okay. I have, I have a, I have a serious question for you. Okay. So for one, my general consensus, is I'm very aligned with that, with everything that you've said, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting platform for Twitter, say for like Elon Musk to come out with. And although I am very excited to see how this does play out and wit is a very interesting value prop for them to bring to the market. Do you still use Twitter or X? Sorry.
1: Yes. All the time. It's like still probably my number two social media platform.
0: Serious. Okay. I was expecting a very different answer.
1: Really? Do you not use Twitter anymore?
0: I have been so deterred from it. I I don't know what it was, like because
1: like, of Elon or
0: not because of Elon necessarily. I feel like when I open Twitter, right? Like when you open X, I open this app and I see like, well, at least last time I checked, it was like a weird like mix of what felt like Twitter and what felt like, like I don't know, it just like it just felt like a really weird platform. That was covered with a lot of just really like a lot of strange content. The algorithm was different now, and it was just it felt like this weird cross between like it felt like Twitter got hijacked, and it felt like something that was so pure to me and something that I really enjoyed using had become such a weird space to be on. I guess maybe I just fell off a little bit. I didn't like the new design changes because they were so inconsistent across the board; didn't look nice. Anyway, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, have actually stopped using Twitter or used stop using X and what I'm curious about now is that like, if this chatbot's going to come out, it's going to be pulling from X in terms of it's like, it's for, as it's data set, let's say, then what are we like, what kind of results are we really going to see? Like to your point, like, is it going to be sexist? Is it going to be racist? Like, what could it, what could that kind of look like in real time as it kind of starts unfolding?
1: It's interesting because I still use um, Twitter all the time because I actually think it's still the best networking tool. Ideologically. I don't agree with a lot of different things that Elon Musk has said, but like, outside of him being the CEO or like, I guess he's not the CEO anymore, but like the majority owner. I still think that like it's a platform where if I follow someone and they're like pretty well known for work or something, there's a very high probability that I'll be able to get connected to them in a way that I was not on any other social platform. So I feel like if you use it right, there's still a lot of value, but I agree that the algorithm has made my like for you page kind of trash where it's like an echo chamber of things that are unrealistic or bad takes. So I think it's like less valuable for that, but more valuable for still connections.
0: Well, that's what I mean in the sense of like, I'm going and I'm seeing a, for what I'm seeing a for you page. Like, I, I do not want to be seeing a for you page on Twitter. I'm sorry. Um, I want to see a following page. I'm I'm on Twitter to follow people's conversations and to, to like have a forum for Discord around different topics that I'm interested in. I don't want an algorithm tell me what I'm interested in because at least for me, I use Twitter as that like, it was this little like, now, it was this network of tech professionals that I followed, people in the tech media space that I followed, that I was a big fan of, or that people that I want to hear from, I want to hear their opinions from. It's how I kept up with most of the tech news that I'm into. Now I'm going on to this like for you page, and it's just a mixture of, like it, like you said, there's an echo chamber of just news and like weird takes that I don't necessarily want to read or, or hear about.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I wonder if like that's like a general sentiment by most people. I think it is that people feel like their algorithm has changed. But like the amount of time people are spending on the app is actually increasing in certain areas. So it's like, this is why I feel like satisfaction is such an important metric with social media, where it's not just about how long you spend, but it's like, is the content restorative or is it exploitative? Like, Do you actually feel better after reading it or do you feel worse?
0: That's a very good point, actually. I actually really like that point, generative versus restorative.
1: That's a Ryan Trahan comment. I love that guy. He uh, talks about like his content is like redemptive. No. What's the word? Tragic. I, I will, <laughs> I'll link the Ryan Trahan interview, but basically he talks about how his content used to be a kind of exploitative where he would like do commentary videos at other people's expense. And then he um, now tries to make videos where it's like you give him a view and you feel better after it. I like that. Speaking of. If you give OnePlus money, do you feel better after it? Let's talk about the OnePlus Open.
0: <laughs> I, I like that transition. I was literally <laughs> going to say, like Elon is coming into this space that's already established and he's trying to he's trying to break into it. OnePlus is doing the exact same thing with the official launch of the OnePlus Open. Now, for anyone who's been living under a rock, the Oppo sub-brand OnePlus has officially come out with a foldable phone. And this is starting at 1699 It's available now. You can go buy it as of October 26th. And it is probably the first foldable, I think, as Jacqueline had said, that I would actually consider as a daily driver, like hands down. But I haven't actually had a chance to play with it as yet. So I want to hear Jacqueline. Jacqueline, I want to hear your thoughts here. You've actually played with this phone. Uh, By the time you guys are listening to this, I believe you guys are going to have a video to watch on Jacqueline's page. If you haven't checked it out already, go check it out.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's going up tomorrow, Friday, November 10th. So it will definitely be up before this pod. So basically the video that I'm making is like... Basically, an analysis of the foldable film market as a whole, because I feel like the OnePlus Open creates this opportunity where we now can see what a foldable would look like if done right on a build side. Like the aspect ratio of the outer display is normal, the hinge feels great, the inner display is pretty bright and beautiful. So now it's like, do foldables deserve to exist? Is there actually a the market for them at sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred dollars? So much money for most people. That is a utility. I think with a foldable, like the question really becomes, and I mentioned this in the video it has to minimize the downsides of the foldable in terms of like all the things that you lose and maximize the upside of having that form factor. And so I I don't know, Darsh, I would actually pose this question to you. Do you feel like most people would get added utility out of a foldable and then that's worth the downsides of like less durability and a worse camera than a normal flagship?
0: See, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think so. As, as much as I think that Foldable phones are on the right track, and that I am very excited to see what comes out and what comes out of all of this. I don't necessarily think that this is enough utility for any new user to go out and go switch to a foldable from a re- like a normal flagship. Like I'm thinking about this as like myself, right? As this is the first and only foldable I would consider buying, but it's not a foldable that I would actually switch to actively. And there's two reasons for that. Well, there's three, but the third one I don't count because let's say I'm not. Let's say I'm not sucked into the Apple ecosystem and leaving would absolutely crush um, most of my relationships with people as a green bubble. (laughs) That aside, okay? Okay. Just from a a tech perspective, the OnePlus would have me switch for one, the better design. I love this design. I think this design is absolutely gorgeous across the board. It is the first one that actually has a real proper aspect ratio display. Um, But then for two, it's also just generally, it looks gorgeous. Then... The second point I have to this is that it's the first one that's actually focused on like the consumer. It's focused on feeling good in the hand. It's feel. It, it's focused on that like on that like entry level. It's not. Uh, it's not like overdoing it. I think the Pixel Fold was a great first attempt from Google at getting a foldable out there, but it's still a little too quirky. It's still a really weird. Like phone it's a really weird size to hold in your hand the the samsung phone the galaxy fold it's a little too narrow when you open it up i think that the oneplus open strikes this perfect balance of size comfort and like like great feel in the hand while also covering all the bases from like most of the flagship pieces that you'll need but the issue is that when you open the device what added utility are you going to get because if you have a normal size screen at the front what are you opening the what are you opening the inside to actually do and that's, I guess, that's where I guess I have my questions about. Like, like, Jacqueline, when you were using this phone, what did you find yourself opening the bigger screen to use more? Like, why were you opening it?
1: Yeah, so I actually used this on the travel day to DC, and that was the day that I was filming the video. And the utility was definitely there on, like, the flight, for example, being able to watch content on a bigger display, respond to emails. Like, there definitely is a benefit. I just think that the audience that probably, like, gets that benefit Um, Like I think universally, we all probably would be like, ooh, big screen, nice. But in general, I don't think that that is worth it more of the time than the things I lose out. Like when I think about what I optimize for in a smartphone, the things that I mainly care about are general software performance, camera, and ecosystem. And so when you go to a foldable, immediately those get downgraded a bit in, in order to get the utility. And so since the form factor is like the fourth thing that I care about the most, it just would never be a product that I would fully switch to yet. But the OnePlus Open by far is my favorite foldable in terms of design. And I think that I'm like very, very impressed actually that they were able to do this because I think it is not an easy task to go up against Samsung and Google, especially they have less R&D. So super impressive on that front. Samsung and Google still have like other advantages, for example, um, water resistance or for Google, like the software support. But I'm pretty impressed with OnePlus. This definitely feels like they're like way back into a lot of enthusiasts' hearts.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think actually even Michael Fisher actually done a video where he went to the factory out in, I think it was South Korea or China.
1: Oh, that's so cool.
0: And the video that he'd done was pretty much doing a giant like durability test. And I think that OnePlus has really hit the nail here in terms of durability, where a lot of people's concern has come in for foldable phones as a whole. I think that Michael Fisher did a great job at explaining how much durability testing has been done. And if you guys haven't seen that video, it's honestly a video I would highly recommend. It's going to be probably the first thing on my stuff I like this week. Jacqueline, I'm going to throw it to you. And if you guys haven't heard of what stuff I like this week is or stuff we like this week is, it's a section of the podcast where Jack and I talk a little bit about the stuff that we've been watching and consuming lately, sharing it with you guys and just throwing out some suggestions. We'd love to just keep you guys informed with what we're watching and uh, we hope you guys can check it out and get some enjoyment out of it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love that. The first thing that I like this week is Taylor Swift's new recorded album, 1989. The Vault songs are amazing. I really like Now That We Don't Talk and Is It Over Yet. I would recommend
0: I still need to become... I'm not enough enough of a Swiss, Swiftie. I, I, I've oh, tried to get myself into tragic. it. Tragic. I really need to try... I need to try harder.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jacqueline, for you, I will try
0: harder to become a Swiftie. I promise. D- Dude, and your girlfriend
1: as well. Exactly. You're, You're going to get on both sides.
0: I, I got I to gotta just become more of a Swiftie. But we you know I am. I am a big Marvel nut. And the series yes. that just came out, Loki, has been absolutely Ooh, incredible. One of
1: my best friends said he loves it. So the thing
0: is, the first couple of episodes were really confusing. And then... Okay. Now I'm like, it's a season finale that's released today. It's like tonight, I'm going to watch it. So by the time you guys are watching this, you guys can watch the full season in aggregate. Apparently the season finale, like it, well it just it just looks incredible. And the cliffhanger from the finale, like the eve of the finale, I guess, or the pre finale uh, was honestly just just great. I'm very excited about it. And I'm super excited to watch it later tonight. Highly recommend it. If you guys are into Marvel at all, go check it out.
1: Love that. Wow. I love, I honestly respect so much what they've done from like a world building perspective. Like Marvel just kills it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. My next one is uh, actually a Cosmopolitan article around Alex Cooper and Call Her Daddy and what she's doing with the podcast brand. I think it's pretty incredible and definitely inspiring to see someone go from like launching this in her bedroom to where it is now. And I think she's really, really smart on a marketing perspective. So if anyone's interested in like the creator economy, entrepreneurship would highly recommend.
0: That's actually a really good one. I'm definitely going to check that out. I saw that she's on tour right now. That's absolutely incredible. Dude, it's selling out. Yo, imagine going on tour for the podcast. Like that would be such a dream. Like just to go 100%. on stage and just to talk and just have people want to just come and listen to conversation. Like that's really cool.
1: But dude, I will say, I think she's like adding musical numbers. Like I'm pretty sure she's like going all out and making it like an event. No um, way. But, uh, yeah. But the core of it is definitely uh, the pod, which is awesome.
0: That is awesome. That was awesome. my last one for this week is probably going to be, it's actually, it's it's an Instagram creator. I just, I've fallen in love with his, with his content style for one, but for two, he's just huge. Like he's jacked. This is like a fitness creator. His name is Marino. I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. Do not, like, please do not, do not come for me. Uh, Oh no. (laughs) Katsuras, I think is how you pronounce it. Katsuri. I'm not sure. He's from the UK. His content quality is for one incredible, but for two, he's also just absolutely yoked. And as someone who's been on a fitness journey over the last couple of years, I've been just a huge fan of watching him. And I think like today just clicked. I was like, this is probably my favorite creator right now on, on like Instagram.
1: Wow. Personally. Okay.
0: So how of you guys go check him out?
1: I love that one. My last uh, recommendation is going to be this new channel that I've been loving on YouTube called Starter Story. And it's like a mix of like interviews and breakdowns of how successful companies are formed. I think it's really well done. Um, so if you're interested in entrepreneurship, would highly recommend. That sounds absolutely incredible.
0: And everyone who's listened to this podcast so far, you are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. I know we've been a bit sporadic when it comes to the posting schedule, but we really, we really appreciate um, you guys coming along with this journey and just like just enjoy these episodes week after week. Huge appreciation for all of you. If you guys like what you heard this episode, make sure to go and follow us on wherever you listen. Drop us a review. Always helps. But Above all else, huge shout out to Adil Constantine as always for the incredible intro and outro music. And we'll catch you guys in two weeks on Monday at 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern.
1: Bye.